0: Have you ever that happiness is kind of hard to find? It's not. It's, that's right, mate. it's not. Okay. It is for most people. It is for most people. Happiness can be hard to find, especially, it, it sounds uh, cliche, but in 2020, it just seems like this has been a rough year, amen? I mean, it's just been a rough year on so many levels, you know, uh, individually for people, as a, as a nation, as a world, you know, we're going through a pandemic, something that, most of us have never been alive to experience. And happiness is hard to find. But let me tell you this. Ice cream is pretty good, right? Y'all don't like ice cream? Y'all need to repent and love Jesus and ice cream too, okay? Don't, don't be sitting there stone-facing me. Tell me, y'all like ice cream? <laughs> yeah, you like ice cream. How many of you, if you're being honest, sometimes will use a little bit of food to find happiness? So a lot of hands going up, not everybody, I know it's not everybody, but most of us will find happiness or try to find happiness in food sometimes. You guys know it's a running thing with me, you know, Krispy Kreme donuts. It's been a minute since I've had a Krispy Kreme donut and I'm having withdrawals a little bit, but anyway, we'll we'll get that remedied here. But the problem is, is that we try to find happiness in a lot of stuff. We try to find it. I I ain't going to lie, ice cream is good, cookout milkshakes are amazing, aren't they? Cookout. If y'all have never had a cookout milkshake, you need to repent and do that too. Um, I'm noticing a trend. Uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, you know where they started? North Carolina. Cookout, you know where it started? North Carolina. We are the makers of happiness. I mean, we just do all kinds of good stuff like that. Also, high blood sugar. But anyway, that's all right. Um, but the thing is, is that we try to find happiness in things that are not always going to gratify us. I found a statistic. This is from 2017, so I'm sure it's probably even higher up, especially with people doing Grubhub and all that sort of stuff. But in 2017, the average person in the U.S. from the ages of 45 to 54, now this is only a nine-year span, 45 to 54, spent $4,500 in dining out a year. Not groceries, dining out, above and beyond what they bought their groceries. $4,500 in the age range from 45 years old to 54 years old. Then you start thinking about 35 and 25. Imagine the amounts of numbers that we spend on going out to eat. And a lot of times that's to give us a little bit of "Ah, peace, catch our breath. You know, we don't want to cook. We don't, you know, we're stressed out. And we're like, maybe we want to go out with friends or or whatever. We want to find a little happiness. We want to find a little peace. And I'll tell you this. Peace and joy and gratitude are connected. Peace and joy and gratitude are connected. And it's all about perspective. Now the Apostle Paul here in Colossians chapter 3 is telling you and I, and he's telling these Colossians an important message. He says, this is how we can have peace in a turbulent world. Does that pique your interest at all? Are you living in a turbulent world right now? I mean, we, we think... oh. It's got to get better, and then it seems like in some ways it gets worse. One more thing. You know, we, we see how we're upset, and, and people don't understand, and, and people are angry and frustrated, and, and there's, there's sickness, and there's death, and there, there's so many things. But Paul is saying you can have peace in a turbulent world. Now, if you may think sometimes, well, man, they had it easy back then. You know, it was a simpler time. They didn't have the Internet, and they didn't have Facebook, and they didn't have all these stuff, and, and yeah, it was different. But the world was pretty much the same. They might have had different ways of communicating, but the world was pretty much the same. And Paul is writing, if you think about what we've read this far, if you go back and look through it on your own at some point, listen to what he was dealing with as he's writing to this church at Colossae. Their church was experiencing attacks on the truth of doctrine, on God's teaching. Do we see that nowadays? Absolutely. The church is continually attacked in in accordance with truth and doctrine. They were engaged in culture wars. Does that sound like anything we're going through? They had cultures battling one another within the church and within the world at that time. They even had battles in themselves between the old person they used to be and the new person they were supposed to be. We talked about that last week. Do you ever feel like you're fighting with yourself? You know, we don't want to raise our hands so much on that, but I believe the answer is yes. You know the good things that you need to be doing, but you struggle with going back to your old way of life and your old habits and your old struggles and your old sins. It's a constant war sometimes, a battle between ourselves. And as you're sitting here this morning, you may be thinking, peace is impossible. I guarantee if you turn on the news or look at Facebook, you think peace is impossible. And probably sometimes when you look in the mirror at yourself, you think, man, peace is impossible in here too. You've got worries. I hear more people talking about anxiety than ever before in my lifetime. Everyone is anxious and worrying and the Bible speaks a lot about that. It talks about worry and anxiety and and all those things, but it may seem like peace is impossible and in the world, it's going to be extremely difficult. But what about you and me? Is it impossible in you and me for us to have peace in ourselves? Here's why this is important. How can you have peace and become grateful? Now, if you remember, we touch on it from time to time. This overall series in Colossians we're calling Full. Because the book of Colossians talks a lot about fullness in Christ and and being full and being filled. And, And so we did a little bit of a play on words today. Like I said, sometimes I pay attention to my sermon title, sometimes I don't. But today's sermon title is How to Be Great put an extra l on grateful how to be full of gratitude how to be completely full of gratitude and here's what paul says in colossians 3 look there at verse 15 beginning there he says and let the peace of christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There's a few things I want us to pull out here this morning that will hopefully help us to understand how we can have peace, how we can be grateful or full of gratitude in a world that's so chaotic and so twisted and turned upside down. The first idea is this, let Jesus rule you let Jesus rule you now for those of us that attend church that might be like a a duh statement but how much does that actually play out in our lives sometimes We want that to be the truth, but how often is He really the Lord of every aspect of our lives? That's what the process of becoming holy or sanctification is. It's becoming holy. You're declared righteous by the blood of Jesus and His grace and His mercy. But then you spend the rest of your life trying to get this body that you live with and wrestle with to, to come under submission to Jesus. But he says very clearly, let Jesus rule. You know, that's my paraphrase. But he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now here's something I want you to understand. If If it escaped you this far. If you want the peace of Christ in your heart. Jesus has to be Lord of your heart. There again. There again, that may seem like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But how often do we sort of bargain with God and bargain with ourselves saying, God, give me the peace, but we know that He's not our Lord. We're not living in a way that we're submitting to Him and giving Him everything in our life. Every thought, every word, every action, every deed, every plan, every dream, everything. Are we giving it all to Him? Because if you want the peace of Christ, you have to make sure that He's the Lord of your life. So let Jesus rule you. Now, one thing I want to point out here is that in this passage, when we read, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, that's plural there. He's talking individually, but he's also talking to the church as a whole. Let the peace rule the church in all of your hearts. And there's also, you know, I did a little bit of uh, word study. I always try to get in the Greek a little bit here. And I learned some really important things. This is what is called in Greek um, uh, grammar, An imperative. That means it's a command. It is not a suggestion to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It is a command. Let the peace of Jesus rule in your heart. Is everybody awake? We want peace. We beg for it. We pray for it. But we don't want Jesus to be Lord of us. Now we say, oh yeah, I want Jesus to be Lord, but there's something in your heart, there's something in your life, there's a habit, there's an old relationship, there's a an improper relationship that you're holding on to, that you're struggling with, there's some hatred, there's some guilt, there's some shame, there's all these things that maybe you're holding on to and you're not allowing Jesus to be Lord of your life and therefore you will not have peace. You will not have the peace of Christ. I just saw a quote right now and I don't know who it's attributed to, so I'm not trying to steal it, it's not me but I'll just tell you this quote. A divided world needs a united church. This world is divided. is searching for peace, but it will not find it in the ways that it wants to find it. And so what we have to do as a church is to be united in love in Christ. Let Him rule in our hearts. And that's what this divided world needs. That you won't have peace without Jesus' Lordship. Jesus and um, old Honest Abe, remember Abe Lincoln? He quoted Jesus in a roundabout way many years ago as well when he said, Jesus said a kingdom, and Abe said a house, but a kingdom or a house divided against itself cannot stand. And you and I need to understand that that's true of our nation. We need to understand that that's true of our church. We need to understand that that's true of us individually. That if we're divided against ourselves, we will not stand and we need to come to unity under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that starts with you and I first. It starts if you're fighting with Jesus within yourself for control, it's time to surrender. It's time to surrender. If you want this peace that you've been searching for, it's time to surrender. But before we move on, I want to look back at the church real quick. The entire church. The text is speaking first about the church as a whole. And so let the peace of Christ rule in your whole entire church body. He says, to which you were called in how many bodies? One body you were called to be a part of the body of Christ. that means united as one, not a bunch of different people working towards the same goal because that doesn't matter that doesn't work. We have to be one body joined together, each part of the body doing its part and so what that means is this: he says, "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, and he 's talking about the church as a whole. What that means is Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember one of the Beatitudes that we talk about? Blessed or blessed, depending on what kind of church you were raised in. <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers. And right then and there, I guarantee you, some of us sitting in this room, because there's all different types of personalities, people watching online, there's some people saying, well, I'm just not a peacemaker. I just like to bump heads with people. But you know what? It is a command to strive to grow to be a peacemaker it might be harder for you than somebody else but you need to suck it up buttercup and get to work become a peacemaker and you may say that's just not me that's not my personality but here hold on just one second everybody listen everybody tune in take it from somebody who is not your mama your personality is not perfect <laughs> your mama might tell you you're perfect but guess why you ain't And there are things that you need to work on. There are things that I need to work on in my personality. And maybe one of those for you and me and all of us, our goal needs to be what? To become peacemakers within ourselves, within the church, and then ultimately within the world. And so we have to seek peace and unity in the body and the world. So here's just a couple of quick ways that maybe you can start to work on that. You come up with your own, but here's a few to get you started. Talk with someone who doesn't think like you. I didn't say argue with them on Facebook, because <laughs> that's mostly what we do. And we treat each other as inhuman, because all we look at is a screen, and we say, I'm going to cut you as hard as I can, and I'm going to tear you down, and I'm going to attack you instead of your idea. But when you sit across from somebody who thinks differently from you, a lot of times that anger and that hate is diffused, or at least it's not as strong. And you sit down and you talk with people and you attach ideas with people that have those feelings and those emotions and those perspectives. Sit down and talk with someone. Maybe within the church. Maybe with outside the church who doesn't think like you. Spend time with people that you don't normally spend time with. Expand your boundaries of who you talk to and who you spend time with. I know it's weird during COVID, but we can do it. We can figure it out. You can sit more than six feet apart and talk to somebody, but talk to people. Spend time with people. And then here's one more way, a really proactive way, is to look for ways to encourage other people. Instead of having your head buried in your phone or, or just staying completely to yourselves, instead of focusing on what is not being done for you, say, how can I go and encourage other people? Whether it be a small way or a big way, if it's, if it's paying for the person who's behind you in the drive-thru line. If it's, if it's just saying hello to somebody. It may, it may seem crazy or weird, but this world needs the church to be weird and stand out we need to do things that are different and show love and create peace in this world he goes on next and he says be thankful look back at the text it says let the peace of christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful from the greek here there's an understanding of this idea make it a habit of being thankful He isn't just saying, be thankful right now when you're reading this. He's saying, be thankful from here on out. Make it a habit. Once again, remember I told you before, that other part was a command. Guess what? In the Greek grammar, this is a command. He's saying, be grateful. He's He's not saying, well, if you get a chance. He's saying, get to it now. Get to it now. Be thankful. Be grateful. Maybe you and I need to spend time every day. Thanking God for all the different parts of maybe our our church family. Maybe the people that you have a difficult time spending time with. Maybe you need to say, God, I want to be thankful for them and I want you to show me why I should be thankful for them. And start looking at their lives and praying. If nothing else, just praise God that that person is is somebody that breathes out carbon dioxide that helps plants grow. (laughs) Y'all try to act nicer than I am. I don't know, but... Spend time loving on people and thanking God for people even if they're difficult to love. Take time to be thankful every day. Maybe you need to start writing it down. I'm not somebody who likes to do a lot of writing, but maybe you and I need to start writing down what we're thankful for every day, even if it's just three things every day. And then maybe your perspective and your attitude and your heart will change and you'll realize there's so much more to be grateful for than there is to be angry for. There's so much more to be thankful for. And then I'm going to say it again as a little um, advertisement. Join in on Thanks Living with us. It's one of the most fun things we do throughout the year. It's just such a cool thing. The stories we get to see. People will be in tears when you go up. You know, last year, uh, my wife went and uh, and she got some gift cards to McDonald's and went and stood outside of McDonald's and caught people as they were going in and said, hey, can I give you this gift card? And she gave it to this one woman. This woman just sat there and she just lost it. It was like a $5 gift card. But at that time in her life, with the circumstances that were going in her life, that $5 meant more than anything. And so when we're thankful and we live a life of gratitude, it changes lives. He also goes on, he says, be filled with the Word. Be filled with the Word of God. Look there at the text again. Verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be filled with the Word. I know I'm getting into the Greek a lot. I don't always talk about Greek stuff this much, but I want us to understand what we're reading here. This is a present imperative. All right? We've used that word imperative now three times. That imperative word means what? It's a command. But it's a present imperative. That means it never ends. Keep on doing it. Keep on following this command to be filled with the Word. So if you get tired of hearing me talk about read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, then you just got to buckle up because that's what God's saying. God is saying, be filled with the Word. I want to find different answers. I want to find a different solution. I want the old easy button like Staples used to have. But the Word of God is what's going to change your life. The Word of God is what's going to help you have that peace that you're looking for and you're searching for. So that tells us that we need to continually listen, hear, and obey the Gospel. Now I want you to think for just a second, as Paul was writing this, they didn't have a bound leather Bible like you and I have, right? A lot of it was being written like this letter to the church at Colossae. And so first and foremost, he's saying, you know, listen to the gospel. And the sad fact is, is that many times we think, oh man, I've heard the gospel so many times. I don't need to read the gospel and I don't need to think about the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. But that's our lifeblood. We need to hear the gospel, we need to know the gospel, we need to recite it, we need to be able to share it with people, we need to be able to tell people in small and in big ways, but we need to show and share the gospel and be filled with the Word of God. And of course it means the rest of the Bible, but I believe also it's talking about evangelism, sharing your faith. But he he tags on in, in Colossians 3 right there, he says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. You see, we need wisdom when we read God's Word and when we share God's Word. He talks about teaching. There was an old saying many years ago that sort of fallen by the wayside and talked about being people of the book. i ask you a question. If you take an honest look at your life, would somebody watch your habits in reading Scripture and studying Scripture and knowing Scripture and sharing Scripture Would they call you a person of the book, meaning a person of the Bible? Would you even call yourself that? Think about it. Are you a person who absorbs as much Scripture as possible, who allows Scripture to be all around you and in you and through you and in your brain? And here's what it says, teaching people these things. Because here's a lesson I've learned. I've learned it's so true over time and time again, is that when we start telling other people about God's Word, that makes us grow deeper in it. Because you're going to share something. They're going to come back with a question. You'll be like, "Uh uh-oh. I don't know what the answer that is. And that's going to cause you to dig deeper and go back and find an answer. And that's okay. That's okay if you don't know the answer. There's things that people ask me. I don't know the answer. I don't, sometimes it's, sometimes it's just I don't remember it. And other times I don't have a clue, but I don't let it shame me. I don't get bad. If, if I knew this whole thing completely, I would be God and I wouldn't need God, (laughs) but we, we need God. So we stick in, we dig in God's word and we study, we teach it so that other people can know it. He goes on, he says, admonishing one another. Now that's a word we don't use a lot of times, but here's some understanding of that word. It can mean warn, encourage, correct, or challenge. But what do we say in our society, in our world today? Oh, you let me do me and you do you. But if you're part of the church, that's not the attitude you can have. That's not the attitude you can have. You know, it's not all, we're not called to be nosy. We're not called to be busybodies. The scripture even talks about that not to be a busybody. But we are to care for one another. And if we see a brother or sister in danger, we need to warn them in love. And that's why he ties in that word there, with wisdom. Teach and admonish with wisdom. You need to have wisdom to know when and how to say things. It's so important to make sure you challenge and encourage and correct people and help them know that they may be on the wrong path or heading in the wrong way. But here's a good little saying that you probably heard many times before. Is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So in every conversation you have, make sure that you've invested the time in those people to let them know that you love them. So when you tell them the truth, even though it may be a hard truth to hear, that they'll know that you care for them and that's why you're sharing that with them. Don't be the church police, you know, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but I'm saying don't make it your job to go around and try to find people who are doing wrong. That's the wrong attitude to have. That's pharisaical. That's what Jesus railed against. But have a relationship with people so that you have the ability to go to them in love and say, look, I think maybe you're getting off on the wrong path. Maybe this relationship is is steering you in the wrong direction. Maybe you need to to turn around. But do it in wisdom. Ask God for that wisdom. Here's another idea he says here in the text. He says to sing. To sing. Sing praises to God. He looked there in, in verse 16. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, for some people, that may seem silly. Some people say, what in the world does it do to sing songs to God? People that haven't grown up in church, it's probably a very weird thing to go into a room with people and sing songs. you know. But if you've grown up with it, it may not be. For other people, it's spot on. And they're like, man, that's my favorite part of coming to church is when I get to sing. And there's people all along the spectrum and like I, like I say, a lot of times, we pendulum swing in our world and our society and in the church, don't we? You know, we go to one extreme over here, and then if we don't like that, we go to the far extreme over here. But most of the time, the truth is right there in the middle, and God's Word is right there in the middle. So we need to sing. Some people place too much emphasis on singing as a part of worship. And then other people's rob singing of its value in worship. So here's what we do need to do. You need to sing Privately. Some of you, that needs to be your main avenue for singing. I'm, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't have anybody in mind when I say that. I'm just talking. But you need to sing privately to God. And that may just be simple as, you know, if you're, if you're on Spotify or Apple Music or you got a CD or you listen to a radio station in the car, but turn on Christian music and let it play. Let it hear. And try different styles that you don't necessarily like. Because sometimes when you get in a habit and a routine, you just disengage your brain and you just da 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 da. You just singing along to the melody. You don't pay attention to the words. But worship God by yourself and sing along, even if you're not a great singer. Sing together as a church. You may not feel like you're a great singer, but chances are people can't hear you. You know that's the good thing about social distancing. You know you can blame it on COVID that you're getting in the corner, so you can sing loud. Right? Go ahead and do it. Sing loud and praise God. Here's why. Because singing reminds us of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. We sing songs that are hopefully from God's Word and based on God's Word. And we remember just how good God is. And there's something about music that unlocks a part of your brain and reaches your heart in ways that other things don't. And so that's why God wants us to sing praise to Him. And lastly, this is that part there. Sing with thankfulness in your hearts. He says, sing with thankfulness in your hearts. Don't just give it lip service. Don't just, you know, don't just do that. That was me when I was a kid. I went to a church that only sang hymns. And, you know, and I would just, I catch myself, you know, I'm just like bobbing along, not paying attention. I don't know what the and thou and this just means. I don't know that stuff. You know, and so I was not paying attention and singing with thankfulness in my heart. But now, even when I sing hymns, I can give thanks in my heart because God is good, y'all. God is good, and I need to be reminded of that, especially today in 2020. Especially today when half the world is thrilled with the results of an election, and and, or half the nation and half the nation is angry. And, And it's going to be that way many times. We have to give thanks to God for He is good and He is King. We have to give thanks to Him because He is good. So sing with all you've got. And then the last idea is this, and we're winding up here. Worship in every area of your life. Look back there at verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He says, Worship in every area of your life. Don't be that person who thinks singing is the only worship. That's just the tip of the iceberg that gets you ready for the first day of the week on Sunday to go out and worship everywhere that you go. We're called to worship in every area. Whatever you're doing, even at work, believe it or not, you can worship. I don't mean stand up in the middle of your job and start singing. You know, if you work in a library, that's probably not cool. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how you live your life and how you treat your fellow employees or the people who work under you or the people who work above you. How do you treat them? Does it glorify God? Are you fair and honest with the effort that you put in? Do you work as hard as you should? Do you steal from the company? Do you steal from your from your job? No, don't do those things. Worship in the way that you work. Worship, and y'all know this is hard. I talk about this a lot. Worship when you go shopping, even Walmart. I'm serious. I'm serious. When you go out, you get frustrated at Walmart. You get frustrated with all the lines. You get frustrated with all the extra rules. And how many of y'all end up going the wrong way down the aisle now all the time? You know, you go to food line and it's like somebody's like, no, let's look at the arrow. You know, people get mad, there's, you know, there's line police, you know, they're like, hey, no, look at the arrow, you know, still worship, worship God. Even if you got to put headphones in and just praise God with your voice, you know, maybe don't sing too loud in, in food line, but, you know, but sing and praise God. But how you treat people, allow them to go first, small ways and big ways. In your discussions, how do you worship God? Do you worship Him in spirit and truth? Here's a big one on Facebook. Do you worship God? I wrestle many times with completely getting off of Facebook and social media. But then I remind myself, I cannot completely quit it because there needs to be light on those places. There need to be people who are spreading light and not just anger and hate and lies. There needs to be light. And so I don't quit completely. How about in your entertainment? Do you worship God in your entertainment? He says the worship in everything you do, whether in word or deed, are the things that you're watching and putting in your mind and in your heart, are they building you and God's kingdom up or are they tearing it down? Are they tearing you apart? And then in your speech, the words that come out of your mouth, are they worshiping God or are they pulling people and you farther away from God? Ultimately, here's what he's saying. Glorify Jesus in all of it. Glorify Jesus in every single bit of it. Worship God in everything you do. And he ties it all together with this. Give thanks in everything. In 15, 16, 17, these three verses, he has said be thankful or or have thanks or give thanks three different times in three verses. Do you think he wants us to be grateful? Do you think God wants us to give thanks in all things? He's commanded it three times in three verses. Give thanks in everything. If Jesus is the center of your life, you can be thankful in everything. And until He's the center, it's going to be that much more difficult to be thankful. When Jesus is the center of your life, trials and pain you realize are temporary trials and pain are temporary pandemics are temporary election results are temporary racial strife and injustice praise god are in temporary worry has no place when jesus is the center of your life fear is powerless when jesus has is the center of your life heaven is forever and this life is temporary when Jesus is the center of your life. So be grateful. Be full of gratitude. If you've been here for a few minutes, you've probably heard me tell story or stories about my friend Jose who passed away from a brain tumor several years ago. He lived his life outside of Christ, even though his wife prayed and begged for him, uh, begged and prayed for him every day, and invited him to church countless times, and many other people did. He never did until he came, was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and uh, then he gave his life to Jesus. In the last few months of his life, he just was radically sold out to Jesus. But you know, one of the things that his wife has told me several times, and it breaks my heart in good ways good ways and bad ways every time she says it and she says i thank god for cancer if you've been affected by cancer please don't get upset at that but she said i firmly believe that jose would not be in heaven if he had not come down with cancer and she said as much as i hate cancer i'm so thankful that it came into his life because now he's with jesus and I don't know if he would have been with Jesus. And friends, I can tell you this if you've heard the story, and I'll tell you later on if you haven't heard it. But man, if you know anything about this story about my friend Jose and his battle with cancer and the way that he lived his last few months of life for Jesus with every breath, ounce of breath that he had, there are many people who were going to heaven because Jose got cancer. Not just Jose, but many people who were going to heaven because he came down with cancer. And there's a Husband and a wife and a little girl that are on their way to heaven because Jesus used his life as cancer filled his body. You see, gratitude is all about perspective. It doesn't make any sense to say you're thankful for cancer unless you know Jesus. And if you're grateful, You can have peace even in a crazy world like this. If you're grateful for what Jesus has done and you know that Jesus is the center of your life you can have peace in a world that's full of strife, full of chaos and when you and I as the church have peace and we're grateful and we're thankful it overflows out of us onto our brothers and sisters and then it overflows out of the church into the world and maybe, just maybe, by the grace of God this world can be healed if they come to know Jesus as Lord and they can too have that peace and that even though cancer may ravaged bodies and strife may abound that there can be peace through Jesus because he is king so be grateful practice gratitude follow the command of God and be grateful and learn to have that peace of Christ in your heart because it literally changes eternity do you know it today do you know Jesus as Lord Lord None of this matters if you don't know Jesus is Lord. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you want Him to be your Lord and Savior, the Bible just specifically says to turn away from your life of sin, meet Him in baptism, He washes away your sin, gives you His Holy Spirit, and you are new and free and alive in Christ. And you can have peace that passes all understanding. Maybe you've done all that, but maybe you're still wrestling and you're anxious and you're worried and you you feel like you're at war with yourself and you're at war with your neighbors and you're at war with the rest of the world. Maybe today you need to come back to that peace. We'd love to talk with you and we'd love to share with you what the Bible says and how to surrender everything to Jesus.
1: But let's not leave
0: today without making sure that He's the center of our lives and He's the Lord of our lives. Jesus is King. Jesus gives peace.